So as I get into my talk for tonight, I just want to say one quick word about the song that we just sang, which is just <clears throat> the song, uh, You Satisfy Me, and the idea that, man, if, if we got that, like if we got this idea that God satisfied us as God wants us to, to live, like that's, I believe, his, his desire for us is that we would understand that Jesus is enough. And if we really got that, man, it just, everything, if we do that, in fact, every morning, if that was, if, if we could say every morning, God, you satisfy me today, what a difference our day would look like. We wouldn't be constantly looking. That's so much of what we do and when we're turning away from God is just, we're just saying, yeah, God, I mean, you're nice, and thank you for dying for me, Jesus, and all that stuff. But what I really need is this. What I really need is that. What I really need is, whereas if we could say, God, you satisfy me, and anything I'm doing today, you know, it's going to be, I'm going I'm to be able to enjoy that thing because I'm not looking for that thing to be the ultimate thing in my heart. So I think this is true as we're looking tonight. We're going to be talking about what, what, our, what, what Jesus says about money and why it matters in our lives. And I think that's true too. If we believe and know that God satisfies us, then the issue of money really makes a lot of sense. So uh, we're in Matthew 6 tonight. This is the sermon that Jesus preached and we're kind of walking right through it. And uh, the passage where he talks tonight is about money. Jesus ends up talking about money quite a bit uh, in, in the Bible. And we would really do well to pay attention to it. So we're going to read the passage. And then we'll kind of look at some big picture observations about money. And dig into what Jesus is saying here. So he says this. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We're going to come back to that line again. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So some of you, especially if you're new here, you're like, oh yeah, sure, church, they're talking about money. I bet, yeah, Pastor, I bet you're, you probably need to talk about money so that people can pay your salary. Well, I, I do thank you for your parents to give money to the church because it, I, that is actually how I make my living. So, but they don't ask me to talk about it. Uh, it just so happens I think it's super important that we do. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, you could, you could look at it this way. You could look at it and say, oh, a pastor talking about money is sort of like a vampire doing a blood drive. Like, you know, he is, he is going to gain from this endeavor. But... I actually think that what it is more like, it is, we're going to see it, is that it's actually, a, a, a pastor talking about money is like a doctor saying, you have a disease and I can help you with that disease. Because as, as we see in a minute, we're going to see that money does something to us uh, and can really affect us in negative ways. So there's four big picture observations that I want to make about money and things in general. Here's the first one. The first one is this. It's all his, okay? And I'm not just talking about money. When I say it's all his, it's not just money. Everything in life is God's. Psalm 50 says that 
All the animals in the forest are his. The cattle on a thousand hills. It's all his. And not just our stuff. Like every, every day that we're alive is a gift. Every breath that we breathe. We can't choose to breathe. I've heard someone say, it's not that we breathe, it's that we are being breathed. Like everything, this whole deal, it's all God's. And so when we start to talk about what's mine, we have to start first and say, everything that is in the world is because of God. And so for us to start laying claim to it doesn't really make any sense unless we start by understanding that everything is God's. That's number one. Um, Number two is this, money is not evil. So the Bible does not say uh, that, that money is the root of all evil. It says, 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So there's a difference between money and loving money. Money is not evil. Loving money can lead to evil. So uh, it's not that God hates money, wants everyone poor. Money is a good thing. God gives it to us. We can do a lot of things with it. It's loving money. That is the problem. That can lead to evil. And as we'll see, it's very hard not to love money because number three is this. No one thinks they are greedy. No one thinks that they are greedy. Greed has this way of hiding itself from us. Um, There's a guy named Tim Keller wrote a book called Counterfeit Gods. He tells this story. He says he was doing a seven-part series on the seven deadly sins. And His wife said to him, I bet that the week that you talk about greed, so there's a bunch of, I can't name them all, but it's pride and it's lust and it's, you know, whatever. Greed is one of them. She said, the one that no one's going to show up to is greed because nobody thinks that they're greedy. And he said, sure enough, that was the week. They, They packed it out for lust and wrath, even pride, but nobody thinks they're greedy. He says, as a pastor, I've had people come to me to confess that they struggle with almost every kind of sin. Almost. I cannot recall anyone ever coming to me and saying, I spend too much money on myself. I think my greedy lust for money is harming my family, my soul, and people around me. He says greed hides itself from its victims. So we would go, uh, he goes on to say that Jesus warns people far more often about greed than about sex, yet almost no one thinks they're guilty of it. So we should begin with a working hypothesis that this could be a problem for me. This could be a problem for you. Even if you're someone who's like, yeah, I'm not that greedy. It's just that it's kind of insidious in the way that it hides itself from us. So no one thinks they have a problem with greed. And then number four is this. The issue of money is a spiritual issue. Which brings us to our passage today. Jesus, who talks about things spiritual and real, they're one. Like, money is a spiritual issue. So the first uh, part of this passage, he says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, thieves break and still store up treasures in heaven. What he's saying is you should invest your money in a wise way, right? So he's, he's saying, I want you to, to, to invest your stuff in something that will actually last, that will, that will go on forever and ever. So if you, if you want to go to someone to, to help you invest your money, they want to give you the best deal that you can get. You're, they, they want to have the biggest return on your investment. Um, and, and certainly in, in Jesus' time, we don't really worry about thieves. The break in, see, we can put our money in a bank. We know it's protected. But in that time, like, there was a real concern that if you, you know, don't hide your stuff well, someone's going to come in and take it. So he says, look, let me help you. Don't 
put your treasure in just stuff that can you know, break down or be stolen. He says, invest it in, uh, in, in heaven. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then he says, what I think is the money line here, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That is no, no pun intended, actually. That's the money line because he says, that's where, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me, let me uh, illustrate this. If you go, I've never been to a horse, anybody been to a horse racing uh, facility before? Okay, if, if you go and you watch a horse race and you don't put any money on a horse, it's boring. It is really, really boring. You're just like, oh, there's another bunch of horses running around the track. Oh, look, another bunch of horses running around the track. But if you do put money, if you're like, you know, like, let's say this. Let's say someone comes, oh, I, you know, ran into you here, and you're like, hey, I took your life savings, and I put it on horse number seven in the next race. What would you say? You'd say, how did you get access to my bank account? And secondly, oh my gosh, go horse seven. Like you would all of a sudden be so invested. Your heart would be like, oh my, this, this has got to win. You've never, you know, realized how much you cared about something until your money is invested in it, right? If you are someone who gambles on sports, let's say, I don't know anybody who does that. I do. They're in this room. Um, but if, uh, some of them have told me about their very foolish bets. But when they put money on a <laughs> when they when they put money on a sports team, and, it's, and the, I'm, not, I'm not talking about I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bringing up you know the team that they're rooting for. Like these people put money on teams that they should not put money on because they're bad, like the Lions, or you know, like there it is. Um, <laughs> But you care, all of a sudden, you care about a team you didn't care about because your, your treasure is on that, right? So your heart is invested because your money is invested, right? Jesus says something that's just true. Where you put your money is what your heart cares about. And remember, this whole time, this whole passage, Jesus has been talking about your heart, right? He says, guard your, the Bible says, guard your heart. But throughout this, this whole section, he's been saying, it's your heart that I care about. It's not just your actions. It's not just looking good on the outside. I care about your heart. I care about your heart. Over and over and over, he cares about our hearts. And the heart follows the treasure. So if we spend our money only on earthly things, then our hearts will be there. And if we have lots and lots of stuff, and that's all we care about, then that's what we're going to care about. So how do we get out of this? We get out of this by giving some of our stuff away. That's how we get out of it. That's the only way out of having our hearts only invested in stuff is that we have to give some of our stuff and our money away. Um, now, it doesn't mean, let me tell you what Jesus is not saying. It does, he's not saying we can't own stuff. He's not saying that putting money into a savings account is wrong. There's plenty of scriptures that focus on the good that comes from that. Proverbs 6 praises the ant for storing its provision in the summer to prepare it for the winter when there's no food. So preparing for the future is important. 1 Timothy 4.4 says, For everything God created is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. So we're not supposed to despise the material world um, as many other religions do because God made it. So John Stott, a famous pastor, says, Being, Making sensible provision for the future is not prohibited here but rather being covetous, like misers who hoard and materialists who always want more. 
So that's the difference. The point is our hearts. If our treasure is on earth with our stuff, our heart will be there. If it's in heaven with God, and if we give stuff away from time to time so that we don't ever fall into this trap of caring too much about our stuff, then we can be free from that. All right, then there's this middle section that confused me at first. The eyes, the lamp of the body. What's, what's, what's Jesus saying here? It's just another way of saying what he already said, but this time he's asking whether our eyes are good or bad. If our eyes are good, that is, if we have our focus on God and his purposes, then our body will be full of light. But if our eyes are bad, that is, if we have focus on ourselves, we'll be full of darkness. So just as our eyes direct our whole body, so our ambition, uh, which is where we fix our eyes and our hearts, also direct our bodies. I'm going to read this, this quote from that pastor again, John Stott. He says, just as a seeing eye gives light to the body, okay, so imagine this, a seeing eye gives light to the body, so a noble and single-minded ambition to serve God and man adds meaning to life and throws light on everything we do. Just as blindness leads to darkness, so an Selfish ambition, such as laying up for ourselves treasures on earth, plunges us into moral darkness. It makes us intolerant, inhuman, ruthless, deprives life of all ultimate significance. So the person who with bad eyesight is like the person who's committed to serving money rather than God. He's blind to true reality. He's like a blind man wandering around, except it's worse because a a real blind man knows that he's blind, but this person doesn't know that he's blind. He thinks he can see, but he deceives himself. He's led into further darkness. And a man whose heart is fully devoted to God and not money has eyes to see. His heart is in the right place. And then this last section, Jesus, he kind of breaks it down. He says, look, here's the deal, guys. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, devoted to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So think about like a headmaster of a school. We talk about like a principal, but it's another term with that would be a headmaster. God wants to be your master, like your headmaster. He's a loving master, but money also wants to be your headmaster in a much more subtle way. Money will only rob you of the joy God intends you to have. So the question becomes, okay, like I said, if treasures are supposed to be in heaven, you're telling me I have to give away a portion of my money, then what do you propose as the plan? How much is enough? You want me to give all of it away? You want me to give some of it away? I'm glad you asked. There's a biblical principle, and everyone kind of sorts this out for themselves, but there's a biblical principle that we are to give away 10% of our money. It's called the tithe. If you ever heard tithing, uh, that just means 10%, just a tenth. So, um, uh, so the, the, and I'll just say, not to, to brag at all, but just the pattern that I started when I was in college, when I started to get just some income in my life, very little at the time, is I just began giving away 10% after taxes of what I got in is what I would give back to the church, and then, if you, and then giving uh, more than that as well. Now, here's one way to think about it, right? You can either think about it in terms of, are you kidding me? I I earned that money. And I would say, did you earn that money? Or did God give you the ability to make money? Because everything that you get is is really from God to begin with. Yeah, but I'm smart and I got a job and I figured out, okay, who gave you the brain? Did you make your brain? You did not. You did not make your brain. God made your brain. Yeah, but I work, I get up early and... Who gave you muscles that were able to wake up? Who gave you the ability to earn money? That was God. So wouldn't it be natural to give a portion of that back to the person who, who gave it to you? I'm going to illustrate this. When I grad, my last day of high school, 
my mom would, would be up and gone before me usually, and because um, our school started late. And this is, I think it was, it was either my last full day or it was my last final. I woke up, and in my room were $1 bills all over uh, my bed, the floor, in the hallway, and in all the way into the bathroom. Just crisp $1 bills. Now, this was 1991, so that would be worth $1 million today. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's not. But it would be worth more than $100 today. But my mom, very clever, instead of just giving me 100 bucks for graduating from high school, she decided to go to the bank, get 100 crisp $1 bills, and spread. It was really fun. It was like, you know, I was like gathering it all up, and I'm counting it up as I go. And then when I got to my uh, bathroom, she had written on the mirror, happy last day of high school ever. And then she said something mean about a teacher that I hated. It was funny. Um, so, uh, but it, I gathered it all up. Now, in that moment, if my mom came to me and said, hey, that 100 bucks that I gave you, could I have 10 of that? It'd be a little weird if she did that. But let's just say she did. Let's just say, hey, could I have 10 of that 100 that you gave me? I wasn't expecting 100 bucks. It would make perfect sense. Of course, I still get to keep 90. My mom just wants 10 bucks. You bet. Here, here's 10. You know, go, go get yourself something nice with that 10 bucks, mom, you know? Because I get 90 bucks. That's what God does. God, God gives, he blesses us with stuff, the ability to earn. And then he says, hey, I just, I just want you to be generous some of you might give more than, than 10%. Again, it's, it's sort of up to you. It's not a rule, but it's a, just a guideline. And that's truly, it's been, it's been you know, what I've done throughout my life. And I think if you start now, um, it's something that you will see God providing. And I, if you want to hear stories, I've got a lot of stories where, you know, when I started at this church, I was not making very much money. And so giving away 10% was pretty easy. And as I've you know, gotten more money, I've that's more money to give away. And it has been much harder as I get older and as I make more money to want to give that money away. Because I guess, boy, man, think about, I could, I could do a whole lot with that money, you know. But I'm so glad that I have just said, you know what? I'm just, just as a, as a, uh, a, a means of, of giving and trusting in God, I am going to do this. I'm going to give this money back, even though I would, you know, again, I'm greedy. I don't know it, but I know that I am because it's hiding itself from me. And then watching how God has provided so many times in ways that I never, ever could have expected. So when we are generous and when we don't worry about, when we are like, oh, yeah, I, 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 God's going to take care of it. When we're generous with God uh, and with, with the stuff that God cares about. So for me, it's 10% of the church to the church, but then also I've got, like, there's, there's one former Shig student who's serving as a missionary uh, in Europe. And I've been, it's been a joy to be able to support him and some other missionaries and a Compassion International kid that we've been supporting for years and years. So just having that, man, it's so fun to be able to bless people. And it's, it's so good for me to know that I, if I don't, um, I f- could fall victim to this. I could become a greedy person. And I've heard someone say, I think it's really true. If we don't give our money away, our, our money ends up owning us. We don't own money our money ends up owning us. We become a slave. And this is another way of saying this. You can't serve both God and money. You're going to either serve God or you're going to serve money. So um, 
And I've, someone has asked this question too about, you know, 10%. Someone, uh, Tim Keller talked about this and he said, uh, someone asked, because 10% is very explicit in the Old Testament, but it's not as explicit in the New Testament. So sometimes people try to find a loophole. They're like, hey, so, you know, Old Testament, 10%, like, don't tell me I got to really give 10% in the New Testament. Here's how he responded to someone, again, very, very wise pastor, was in New York City for years and years. He said, I'll tell you why you don't see the tithing requirement in the New Testament. Think, have we received more of God's revelation, truth, and grace than Old Testament believers or less? And he said that was followed by an uncomfortable silence. Are we more debtors to grace than they were or less? Did Jesus tithe his life and blood to save us or did he give it all? He said tithing is a minimum standard for Christian believers. We certainly wouldn't want to be in a position of giving away less of our income than those who had so much less of an understanding of what God did to save them. He said, you know, that just always makes people really feel uncomfortable. But a a way that I've heard Pastor Mike Woodruff say, talk about this is he says, I've met people who say they don't make enough money to give 10%. And he said, I've met people who say, I make, I make way too much money. I can't give 10% of my income away. Please, you know. So at some point, you have to decide, what is it, like, what, what do you think about money? And what do you think about, did God give it to you or not? And what does that look like? So um, there's just three things that I want us to, to think about as we close here. Um, The first is that we need to recognize that giving is a spiritual issue and confess that we need God's help with it. Um, Our attitude towards money has to be informed by our attitude about God. Like I said at the beginning, do we believe that God satisfies us? Like, do we believe that God is enough? And if we do, then we're like, oh yeah, I got money. Sure, here, I'd love to be generous. If we think that we're only gonna be satisfied if we have the right this and the right that and the newest this and the newest that, then we're going to be trying to gather stuff and we're not going to be free to say, yeah, listen, I have everything I need so I can be generous with my money. Giving is a spiritual issue. Second, trust that God's reign over our lives extends to our finances. Um, God is not after your money. He doesn't want you to look on him as someone who wants to take things from you. He wants to transform your heart so you see the ways that he can set you free from your slavery to money. And then he wants to take you from an attitude of saying, how, okay, how much is this going to cost me, God? How much do you want me to give? To, hey, how, how much can I give? Like, how generous can I possibly be? That's what God wants to do. His, his reign extends over our finances. And there's this one little, little Bible story that, that that I think really sums up well. I want to um, just, I'm not going to have you turn there or anything, but Jesus tells a story about how a rich man goes into a, a, a church service and gives all this money and is, you know, sort of proud about it. And then this widow comes in and gives two copper pennies worth nothing. What Jesus says is that woman actually gave more because she He gave out of his wealth. She gave out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live in. You can think of yourself and be like, are you kidding me right now? Like, are you telling me that if I get, you know, some money from working, you want me to give 10% of that away? Like, this church needs my money. Are you kidding me? This, This is like a drop in the bucket. When Jesus tells that story, what he's saying is, it's not about whether the 
person you're giving to, you know, like, like the church. Does the church need your money? No, God doesn't need your money because God's going to do what God's going to do. What, what Jesus is saying is it's about you. It's about your heart. You need to take care of it. Jesus commends this widow who gives out of her poverty. And he says it's, a, it's basically it's a spiritual issue. And God's reign extends over your finances. So and the last thing I want to say is just to take action. So I, I, I understand how that, you know, your earning potential is very low, right? It's like the lowest it'll ever be in your life when you're in high school. So I don't expect that you will, uh, this is necessary. some of you don't have a job, some of you, it's just like, it's just, you're not thinking about it. But you, if you get this now, if you understand it now, and, and then it will change your whole life. I'm 48, and, and I started this when I was in my 20s, and um, like I said, I've given away, not bragging, I have given away a lot of money in my life. And, and, and the, the more important thing that I can tell you, and I, I would love to tell you stories, is how I have seen God provide. As I give, he provides for me in ways that are like sometimes miraculous. That when we give and when we're generous with our stuff, God provides for you and he uses your generosity to bless others. He heals your heart so that you don't become, you know, someone who is a slave of money and and God gets the glory. Let's pray.